Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream on a scorcher. A really like, subhanAllah, humid and scorching day. And I remember in college there used to be uh, these types of uh, days early in September. And then usually it dissipates by mid-September. So I would expect everything to dissipate a bit by the middle of September. But this is some heavy business right here. Now let us read. Okay. Um, Sheikh Hatim al Hajj. What's that? The heat wave, Najib. But it's it's also the humidity on top of that. Let's read Sheikh Hatim al Hajj. We all know who Sheikh Hatim al Hajj is, right? A highly respected scholar, um, and, and he's from down the road. Let's see what is the ruling on ikhtilat and what is the meaning and definition of ikhtilat. Okay, ikhtilat is when men and women are Ikhtarat means mixing something, but what is the nature of this mixing? Okay. He said it's an intricate subject because there's no singular comprehensive jami'amana definition for ikhtilat. As we said, it seems to be like, um, uh, we mentioned this earlier, and we mentioned the Madi- what the Madiki scholars said is haram, and what they said is a makruh that could lead to haram. Okay. There is no need necessar- neither necessary nor sufficient um, definition for conceptualization. All right, so you're going to have to uh, add to the nature of the ikhtilat in order to talk about it and give it a ruling. Again, ikhtilat refers to mixing between men and women. Okay. One could argue that ikhtilat refers to men and women congregating in close physical proximity. Well, again, what is close physical proximity? You got to give something objective, okay? It in, that what that which enables hearing and seeing. All right, but this is also, he says, difficult to issue a generalized ruling on. All right, so what exactly is the subject of contention when we debate ikhtilat? Does the term refer to men and women convening in a single location, or is it restricted to verbal interactions? Is it about a particular kind of dialogue? Mutual participation in an event, shared dining experience, or joining attendance at educational sessions. Are all individuals subjected to the same criteria? Does age factor into this? Differentiating between adolescents and the elderly. So this is all the, these are all the details that need to be fleshed out. How does the setting and place influence the permissibility of such interactions? Is there a distinction to be made between misadged private homes and commercial places, all right? Commercial places. Throw me that real quick. Is that mine? Or? No, yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you go to Shoprite. You go to Tesco. That's in. A, what 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 do we do about? Obviously, that's out of our control. Either way, but do we deem that to be ichtilat? Where, uh, or homes? When someone comes to the home, right? Uh, uh, is that a different ruling? So he's going to cover this. In other words, should the following factors have an impact on the ruling? Intent, behavior, nature of interaction, setting of the interaction, necessity of the interaction, types of individuals involved, and cultural and social norms. 
Common sense in various hadiths would seem to imply that, unless needed, such gatherings should be avoided to separate between the trial and the tried. Okay. Uh, nonetheless, the authentic sunnah and the practices of the righteous predecessors established that various forms of intermingling happened and are permissible when needed. The multitudes of permitted interactions and the multiplicity of con contexts that permit them require a nuanced response to the question of gender mixing, particularly when a definitive universal definition remains elusive. In a single work, it is not uncommon to find a scholar articulating one place that intermingling is permitted, uh, provided there is no seclusion, while elsewhere labeling it as a reprehensible practice. This underscores the notion that the ruling of intermingling is not absolute, rather it is conditional and subject to the variables above. So what Sheikh Mahmoud taught us, what he said, is that the clear prohibition is on the intermingling that involves the talasuq al-abdan, the touching of bodies. That, there's no discussion on it. And the intermingling that can now enter between halal and makruh is that in which they could look at each other and stare at each other and become attracted to one another or speak in what matters that are not important, etc. So there are certain guidelines that should remain uncontested. Seclusion between men and women. A man and a woman in our religion, they don't enter the same room by themselves or the same, and, or not even just room. Anywhere where intimacy could take place. For example, meet me at a field, and the field is, is, is outside of everyone's view. It's, it's khalwa, right? So in our fiqh, at least I could tell you in the Madiki school, that would be considered reprehensible, then uh, that would be considered ikhtilat, or forbidden. So like, go meet me at a field, and no one's there at the field except us, and nobody could see us. Intimacy could happen there, and nobody would see it, right? So that's that would also be included in that. Keeping the aura covered, no discussion on keeping the aura covered. Prohibition of physical contact. What is the aura of a man is from his navel to his knee. And it's a myth that the Madikis allow the thigh to be shown. There is an opinion that is makru, and, uh, but that's a weak opinion. The actual opinion is the prohibition of the... Uh, so now come sit here so you can talk with this now. The uh, thigh to be shown without a reason. So players who play sports, they should wear um, leggings or what do they call... What are they called? Compression pants under, all right, their um, uh, shorts. The aura of a woman is her hair, including her hair. The the hijab should cover the chest, and then it could goes down to covers to the wrist and to the ankles. Okay, uh, keeping the aura cover. Prohibition of physical contact. Uh, can't touch. Prohibition of mixed crowds and bodily touching. That's what we talk about. Iltisaqul abdan. Mixed crowds. Okay. Skip that picture because it's just like crooked. Lowering the gaze is an obligation. Refraining from indecency and frivolous conduct. Okay, that's probably going to be, um, you know, different between cultures. All these crooked. Who took the pictures? Someone who's crooked? We're preparing a slideshow for you all. And I asked the guys to bring me pictures. The pictures are like this. You guys took the picture like this? <laughs> I mean, some of the pictures are really good, but some of them you wonder what's going on with the person. <laughs> so, 
Next, there should be an observance of qarar, which encourages women to prioritize their homes and minimize unnecessary outings, bearing in mind that female companions did go to the masjid. They did, particularly for the three prayers performed during the night. And some even manage their priorities without receiving any censure. This complex topic, therefore, cannot be reduced to a single straightforward ruling. I have follow-up posts, he said. And Nas has a comment. Let's go to Nazmul, our own guy, Nas, who came on the, the stream. We need to clip that out. By the way, do you know how to clip stuff out, Yeah, Mr. Abbasi? We clip that out and make it a special, its own, how Kalam increases Iman. Nas says, thank you for this post, Sheikh. I have a question about what you said that from the Taymiyyan perspective, definitions are not sufficient for conceptualization. Uh, on this view, wouldn't the principles you listed it when intermixing between genders be up for discussion as well? Could we now say definitions for khalwa, for aura, and what counts as blameworthy physical contact, and what counts as a crowd or a gaze, and so on, are all basically speculative definitions that one doesn't need to abide by? All right even though our fiqh tradition had provided such definitions? How would we respond to such an objection? Of course, he doesn't believe that, but he's saying, how would we respond to that objection? Okay. Let's see if he responds. Hmm? No, no, I'm reading... Um, his post. Someone sent me his post. All right. All right, because it's an important subject. And let me tell you where else it's important. Funerals. The funerals have become mixed gatherings. And they bodies do t this very close. And the way that a, a woman, can she attend a funeral? She can attend a funeral in the correct way, which is, I'll tell you how. They do not attend the actual burial element, and they wait until, right, the burial is done then they could come in after the, all the men go aside that's how it should be post number two on the intermixing of uh, uh, of men and women and the study of logic if you've read the preceding post on the subject you might be pondering its implication the post that post was not designed to suggest that islam lacks guidance on the this critical facet of human activity on the contrary the seven guidelines discussed form the bedrock of Islamic guidance in this domain, which I totally agree with. Post also contained the following assertion. Common sense and various hadiths seem to suggest that unless there is a need, such gatherings should be avoided to separate between the trial and the tried. Okay, we are the tried. We're human beings. We're, we're tested, right? Okay. So why did the title feature the phrase ruling on ikhtilat none? Uh, I thought it, I actually, uh, my reading of it was ruling on how much ikhtilat is allowed, none. That's actually what I understood on it, rather than there is no ruling on it. There is ruling on ikhtilat. Zahra uh, Zahiri says, can you please talk about hijab? There are people taking it off, and I'm considering to as well. Could you go up on Instagram, uh, Omar? Just scroll up. All right, shaitan whispering. Well, you, what you need, I'll tell you what you need. And you see, I see these people all the time who are extremely talented in a certain field like they could be doctors yet they go and struggle in something very simple right or like for example i know somebody who probably studied you know no less than 10 hours a day in a certain point of his life right but he can't recite a wit 
right? There's two things for that. Number one, you could go the route of saying Shaitan doesn't care if you study medicine, but he does stop you from doing dhikr. You could say that. But let me tell you something even more practical and probably more close to what is true in the situation of people who cannot do awrad. Like I know a surgeon, he can't do awrad. Like, bro, it's five minutes in the car, he can't do it. Okay, I'll tell you why he can't do it. How is it that you went and became a surgeon and studied and did all that mountain of studying, all right, but you can't say a word? I'll tell you why. Because when you became a surgeon, you went to medical school, you were surrounded with a bunch of other doctors and other people studying eight hours a day. And because you were surrounded by them, okay, it became an identity for you and you took it on and it they helped you flow, right? Like, if you're studying eight hours a day and you're studying eight hours a day, right, and my mom knows and my dad knows so that, for example, if, if they say, come to the party, I can't come out studying, they all know about it. So you talked about it. These are all factors on getting something done. You spoke about it. You talk about it to the people that matter in your life so that they know this is what you're doing, right? Some people, they'll try to take on a widow, but he'll... A widget, what is a widget? It's a set of prayers at the end of the day that you recite. That's it. Or the beginning of the day. Now, if the people in your household do not know that you're committed to this, they'll keep interrupting you. They're going to say, why are you going in a room by yourself? Right? Why are you not talking? Even if it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Right? Many, many people. They don't understand the need sometimes for someone to be alone. As a result of that, these people only find solace in the bathrooms. It's sad. Hey, Ali, could you do me a favor and turn that towards the wall? That light bothers me. Always bothers me. That white light is something. Just make sure it doesn't block the TV. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. Keep turning it. Keep turning it. Oh, that's much better. Yeah, because it's in my eyes and my face. So they don't know that you're committed. So they're not supportive of it. Secondly, any time that you're all alone doing something, you're just facing all the pressure by yourself. Why? When you went to medical school, study eight hours a day, reason being is that there's 800 other people in the building and the whole environment, the ecosystem is encouraging this. They create spaces for this study, right? So likewise, in order to do something and make it part of your life, you need these things, the space to do it. You need to inform the stakeholders of your life, the people who are important in your life. This is, I, I do this, right? This is what I'm doing. And you need to have friends who do it. So that uh, it's something that is, even if it's a solitary thing, but we all know that we do it, right? That's the reason why some people succeed greatly in one field, but not in another. In any event, rest assured, this was not clickbait, but rather a means to underscore a specific point. They need to abandon fuzzy thinking and futile debates. If you argue about a ruling of a term that you can't adequately define, you're engaging in the most unproductive exercise. In a most unproductive exercise. If you believe that disagreements on these issues are solely Western and don't exist among scholars in the heartlands, then you effectively sideline yourself for meaningful dialogue. This is a level of ignorance and or dishonesty that may require therapy. <laughs> I've never seen him be funny. I've never seen him say a comment that's hilarious like this. That you, rely, you need therapy rather than simple persuasive discussion. If the definition you propose doesn't achieve consensus among the participants, it's ineffective, right? If it incorporates extraneous factors not inherent to ikhtilat, like touching and improper speech, it's ill-conceived. 
If a mixed gathering of elderly men and women in the lobby of a mosque doesn't concern you, then proclaiming ikhtalat as haram is inconsistent. Similarly, if the meeting of adolescent boys and girls in an apartment for study before finals troubles you, declaring ikhtalat as halal is also inconsistent. If you will qualify some scenario as proper or improper, then the point of the previous post is that you should avoid making categorical rulings. This leads us to the relevance of logic. Yes, I'm a big fan of logic. Yeah, because it sets things down right, right? It sets it in, and I feel like a cement, it bolting into cement, right? When you use your, your aql, that's what Allah gave us the aql for, so we could know how to navigate and have certainty. In a prior post, I mentioned that the importance of logic lies somewhere between Imam al-Ghazali's enthusiastic endorsement and Ibn Taymiyyah's re- reservations. Adding to this, Ibn, Imam Ibn Taymiyyah once observed, the intelligent do not require it, and the intelligent gain no benefit from it. That's pretty funny, actually. But then again, I would say no, because you could actually train someone to think logically. Even a very emotional person may fly off the handle with their emotions, but when it's time to make a decision about day-to-day life, right, a really important decision, we need to think logically. Okay, And you can train someone to think logically. And one of the basics is when you speak, what is the meaning of words that you guys say? Okay, Had someone studied logic, they would know that there are two types of knowledge, tasawurat and tasdiqat. What is a tasawur? Skip that picture, it's irrelevant to us. Yeah. We're taking pictures of those sisters. Yeah, skip that picture completely. Huh? Why would someone zoom in and take that picture? Anyway, sorry for everybody. I'm, I'm doing two things at once. Okay? No, okay. T- what is a tasawur? Tasawur, the conceptualization of a thing. We're going to talk about something. All right, let's uh, conceptualize what we're talking about. And then a tasdiqat. A tasdiq is a claim that either says true or false. Okay. So before we talk about something, we have to get the correct conceptualization, the correct tasawur. And we have to agree on that tasawur, okay? All right. The, the latter necessarily follows the former. For example, before you can assert or dissent, agree or disagree, or fact or fiction, or, or false, true or false, Zaid is standing. You must have a concept of who is Zaid, which Zaid, and what do you mean by standing, Yeah, and standing can be, for example, don't you see a car sign that says no stopping or standing, right? You see that for, for cars. So which standing are you talking about? Definitions, al-hudud, serve as the foundation for conceptualization. There exists extensive discourse on what constitutes a good definition, all right, which you may know ideally consists of a proximate genus, al-jins al-qarib, and a specific differentia, al-fasl. Ibn Taymiyyah contended that definitions are neither necessary nor sufficient for conceptualization. I think uh, that's too much. That's gone too far. His arguments were compelling and have been embraced by many Enlightenment philosophers and modern logicians. However, he did not reject the fundamental utility of definitions. Because I'll tell you why I would not go uh, with that is because pragmatically, practically, human beings use definitions, right, all the time. You can't go without it. And now, I don't know if he's what he's talking about, the use of definitions, but he says, in theory, he holds them to be neither sufficient nor necessary for conceptualization. And I'd really like to see, you know, what exactly he, he means by that and how that applies to the law in any event. 
we're not just going to go against it just because he's Ibn Taymiyyah on the men- subject of logic, but I genuinely wonder then how do you how do you conceptualize if the definition is not sufficient? His arguments were compelling, he says, and they have been embraced. However, he did not fully reject the concepts and the utility. See, that's what I mean, the utility. It's one thing to have a, a philosophical discussion on conceptualization and definitions. How you, we utilize them is another subject altogether, right? So he does... Uh, does not reject the utility of definitions that are jama' and manner. And a definition, you guys are to love it, you should know this. A definition must be jama' manner. You heard about this before? Okay. Jama', it means it's comprehensive to the essence of the thing. Manner, it excludes what is definitely not that thing. Basic summary of hasr, okay, is another word for it. So that, for example, um, if we were to say a book, we would say pages in a bind, right, between a bind with writing in it, right? Oh, well, what if it's just pictures? Is it still a book? Therefore, we have to r- remove that condition of having writing in it because it could be pictures, right? Uh, what if there is nothing on the pages? Is it a book? Right? You have to, so that's what if it's pages with text, but there's no bind, Someone ripped the bind off and took the page out. Then we say it's not a book, so the bind is necessary. So that's basically an example of making sure the definition is comprehensive and excludes everything that shouldn't be there. Someone who has studied logic might pause to consider a comprehensive and exclusive definition before entering a discussion about ikhtilat. Some smart people who have not studied logic may do the same. This observation aligns with Ibn Taymiyyah's view that the intellectually agile do not require logic to think clearly. Okay. Yeah, but I I would still say that they still do need to hone it in, and a lot of people are not agile. They're maybe a a little under agile, but they need that extra um, knowledge to, 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 you know, um, dot the I's and cross the T's, right? To to get to the, to, to, to perfect it, basically. Okay. On the uh, and and then by the way, it's very hard to make an assertion that there are intellectually agile people, right? What does that mean? And it's very hard to to uh, to know that whether they need something or don't, right? So, why don't we discuss that? I mean, to me, that's that's that that is up for discussion. What is intellectually agile? And on what are and what are we grading them? What is the basis of grading them? Isn't, aren't we grading them by the rules of logic, right? Like logic, the basic rules of logic would be the way to grade someone as intellectually agile or not, right? And by the way, I'm, not, I'm sure he's not making some massive, big, bold statement. It's probably just a statement in passing, right? So on the other hand, those who have formally studied logic yet continue to commit errors exemplify Tamiya's assertion that the unintelligent will not benefit from logic. Again, it's just a passing remark, I think, because it's not a tight statement that okay so what is someone unintelligent how do i how do i assess that you're unintelligent what is the scale of intelligence is not the scale of intelligence the correct way to use your intelligence yes then isn't that logic right so i need to know exactly what what is the scale by which to measure someone being intelligent or unintelligent right and that scale is what we call mantuk Secondly, what about all the people in between? Most people are in between. Neither are they dumb, neither are they like geniuses. Right? They're in between. 
And so logic, I think, will really hone them in, right, on what, uh, how to think. Logic essentially is how to use your intellect properly. Of course, he says, what seems overlooked in the statement is a substantial middle ground. Individuals who are neither exceptionally smart nor particularly in- unintelligent, all right, yet could greatly benefit from organizing their thoughts through the study of logic. By the way, just because someone doesn't benefit from it, does that mean, does that bear on the science itself? Many people don't benefit from, from uh, health when they took health class and they said these unsaturated fats are no good for you. Does that mean we should stop teaching it? Because all the teenagers, they keep going eating unsaturated fats, right? How about Jummah? You give Jummah khutbah and people go still live in their lives normally without committing, committing themselves to Allah and, and, and the deen. We stop giving Jummah. So anyway, but I think he's, it, again, I, I can't imagine for someone of his intelligence and knowledge that it's anything more than just a passing remark. I comprehend the Taymiyyan zeal in critiquing logicians. Many of their propositions are metaphysical and contradict Islamic perspectives. Furthermore, the overemphasis on the infallibility of ancient Greek logic, which he skillfully debunked, requires a more balanced approach. It may be time for a synthesis where Aristotelian logic, serving as a foundation uh, for all subsequent development, is taught alongside the critiques from Taymiyyan thought and others. Okay. Returning to ikhtilat, I, uh, why should we dis- dissect established Islamic rulings in such a way? Firstly, what is established? Earlier, fuqaha had extensive discussions about regulating interactions between men and women. However, you will not find a chapter, section, and subsection in their text specifically titled The Ruling of Ikhtilat. That's true. It's like a common thing, but you don't find it in, in, as a chapter in books of fiqh. This term, although popular today, was seldom mentioned by them. And when it was, it was usually incidental. Yeah, because I think in their world, it wasn't an issue. They didn't imagine a mixed world the way we do. For instance, Imam al-Nawi in his book Al-Majmu'ah said, since it has been established in a great number of authentic hadith that women used to pray behind Allah's messenger, وسلم, in his mosque behind the men, this is also because ikhtilat, intermixing of women with men, is if not in seclusion, is not haram. Okay? He also, that's Imam he also said, among the repugnant innovations initiated by the common folk during these times is lighting of candles on Mount Arafah on the night of, of the ninth. This is a gross error in which they have combined several types of offenses. Among them, ikhtilat of men and women when there are candles in their midst and their faces are clearly visible. Okay? So on one hand, he's saying, well, when they're in the masjid, they can go to the masjid and benefit. On the other hand, some uh, reprehensible or uh, uh, innovation that has no need and on top of that they're mixing so there's no need for that one has a, a reason to pray in the masjid and has a benefit and they did it in the time of the prophet the other time the other thing is completely reprehensible and has no need it's not part of our deen to do this Iman Nawi stands as one of the most erudite scholars far from being contradictory he addresses varying scenarios and trusts the astute reader to contextualize his statements appropriately it's important to note that no real scholar would prohibit or endorse all scenarios that might be classified under any linguistic or otherwise interpretation of the term ikhtilats. In today's context, the responsibility for such contextualization is more pressing than ever, as contemporary readers may not be as well equipped as the readers of the Majmu'ah in, in, uh, of Imam al-Nawi okay, in his time. He says, okay, now let's listen to this. Um... One of the best ways to navigate f- things like this is to come and start to know and get to know the scholars in your locality 
who are reliable, who are not just imams. Because by the way, let me tell you something. An imam is not necessarily uh, in touch with the scholars all the time. And what you need is somebody who is in constant mulazima with the fuqaha. An imam may learn how to, how, to, how, to, how to pray, how to marry, how to basic calculate zikah, and how to run a janazah, how to operate a janazah, right? And the imam could just, many imams, they just put on autopilot for 40 years after that. They don't get involved in studying. I'm telling not, I'm not even kidding with you. They may go to hajj yearly, every year, so they know the hajj rules inside out. But they are not in mulazima with fuqaha, constant discussion and constant study, okay? with the scholars so that's the type of person who you may not those types of people especially in their far far off areas where there would be no one to study anyway from them oftentimes their knowledge and sometimes even the practice slowly just decays it gets old and they don't they, they don't revive it and so little errors could creep in and after a decade that becomes the law the rule instead of the uh, a, a one-time exception and a mistake it becomes the, the rule so what you gotta go out there who's studying fiqh who is who cares about fiqh and then you see how they live not just one person but if you can isolate four different people who may not even be friends or from a different madhab even right that will give you an idea of what to do in fu- when, when things get fuzzy in the realm of fiqh okay now, who responds with a um, who responds and objects to Sheikh Hatim's comment? Who do you think? Giving any possible room for ikhtilat, which, in a sense, we agree with Dr. Hatim with what he said. Imam Nawi said, Daniel Hakikachu. Let's see what he says. Here are the statements of great ulama on the subject of iqtirat. It's a miracle. All of them could easily convey the ahkam on the issue without circuitous. How do you pronounce that? Circuit. Circuitous. Circuit. Circuitous and arcane digressions. These are not circuitous and arcane digressions. These are... Circuitous? Okay. Uh, these are not circuitous or arcane. They're actually very practical, right? There is a huge difference between a grandma going to enter in upon a doctor and her driver's in the car, and the doctor's a male, and he closes the door, right? That's a big difference between somebody who goes into, let's say, I needed to go to someone's house, to someone's apartment to pick up a book, right? And I asked to go into the house, use the bathroom or something, and lo and behold, it's me. It's a, it's a twenty-year-old, two twenty-year-old men and women in the apartment alone. There's a huge difference between one and the other. Nobody will say will see the old lady, seventy-year-old lady, coming out of of a doctor's room, okay, all alone with the doctor. No one's gonna say that this is the same as if you were to see a woman coming out of a bachelor's apartment. Oh, that's all sorts of red flags there, or vice versa. A man coming out of a bachelorette's apartment because maybe he assumed something that, oh, I thought her, her brother was there and I came to pick up a book. He wasn't, but I went in anyway and I went to use the bathroom and we ended up chit-chatting and then I left. Huge difference. So how could you say that's uh, arcane and, and circidious or whatever the word is? Let's read what he says, though. Abu Abdullah al-Halimi. 
One of the major early chef, Amuchteh, had said, Allah says, O you who believe, protect yourselves and your families from the fire. Included in the totality of this is that a man protects his wife and daughter from mixing with men and conversing with them and being alone with them. Al-Mawardi, another major early Shafi authority, he said, a woman is forbidden from mixing with men and is ordered to stay in the house when there is no need to come out. Uh, yes, these are quotes, but is it the totality of their commentary on the subject? For example, were they ever exposed to other subject matters or or uh, subcontexts in the, in this topic? It's like if I took Imam Noe's comment on the innovation on the Yom of Arafah and use that as the proof, but not mentioning that the Sahabiyats went and prayed in the mosque with the Prophet, peace be upon him. It wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be a correct assessment. As Shirazi, Shafi, Juma is not obligatory on a woman because of what Jabir radiallahu narrated, that she may mix with men, and this is haram. Al Ghazali says, when the speaker is a non elderly man, Sheb, attractive in his dress and his appearance, and he can recite poems and he can make gestures and all that, and women attend his gathering, this is a munkar, okay, which must be prevented, since the corruption in this is greater than the benefit. It is obligatory to erect a screen that prevents seeing one another. And that is also an anticipated cause of corruption. All right. And he has a source here and he has many uh, more probably sources. Okay. Um, all right. But there are, but this is a new post. So there are no comments to the comment. No replies yet to the comment. Let's refresh and see. Uh, but in general, I don't think anybody who no, there's no, there's no comments to the comment. Okay. Too bad I can't share it because I'm not logged in and I don't have my, I'm not, I'm not on social media anymore. Okay. Here's another post. This is a good one, but it's too long. I'll read it another time. Islam and manliness. By Hatim and Hajj. Okay, he has a lot of things on women and trousers, pants. Okay, people may say, What are you reading? Yeah, well, we have a religion, so our religion has some rules to it. Okay, um, and you, they don't like the rules, they don't like to make fun of our rules. You got plenty of stuff too, and in, in, in other cultures that could also be mocked, so that's not a, an argument. Mockery is never an argument, and disgust is never an argument. And disgust, is, by the way, is manufactured. You know this? Disgust is manufactured. Society manufactures disgust. Now, some things are inherent to the human being. You, well, I think human beings will always be disgusted, for example, okay, with cockroaches, with rats, with, um, what else? De uh, feces, defecation, right? It, it, with vomit. we always disgusted. That's inherent. But other things... We manufacture the disgust. The society, the high priests of any society will manufacture disgust in the thing that they don't believe in, okay? And they find it uh, disgusting, okay? And so, for example, uh, if you notice today, idolatry is not disgusting, all right, to many people. Because you, especially if you live with Hindus, right? You see the statues all the time. But... If you look at the first generation of the Sahaba, right, when they're trying to rid their society from this, 
right? They may, there were a lot of, they, when they saw an idol, when they, the subject came up, right? They spoke about it with disgust and they transmitted that disgust and created that disgust. Today, a Muslim does have a disgust in that, but overall, how many times do we pass by a gas station and there's an idol and you say nothing, right? You don't say anything or it just doesn't affect you because it's, it's also so far from us. The idea of our families returning back to, uh, you know, to uh, idolatry is something that doesn't pass by our, our uh, it, it doesn't, it's not something we imagine. All right, let's read that Instagram comment. Someone put a big comment there. Can I do Dikr Astaghfirullah while watching documentaries? Live dramas. Live dramas that are not obscene. It's not going to be, you're not going to be, it's not going to, to make tasbih while doing something of lahu, we can't say that it's, it's, um, Forbidden, however, salah on the Prophet wasallam should not be done while your mind is in lahu. It's not respectful. Recitation of Quran cannot be done. But can we say if someone is saying Subhanallah and Astaghfirullah while listening to while watching something? I don't think that that necessarily is going to be just not unlawful. It's just it may it will as Ghazali said it will not be devoid of benefit. And neither will it be the correct focus, right? It won't be 100 You're not going to get the 100% fruit of the dhikr because you're not 100% focused. But it also will not be devoid of benefit, right? It will have some benefits. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have an update for you. Let's go to the, to the update on the La Cocina final summer barbecue. And what did we, what was the theme? Back to school night. Well, back. Uh, well, back to school, in general. Uh, and what do we do? We we did. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, a drive. For and many of you participated. In delivering for us, or donating, all sorts of school supplies, and all of these kids received. How many school supplies were distributed? Hundred and fifty bags. What was what is his mic on? You need to bring your mic very close to your mouth. Yeah. Pull. Yeah. No, no, you gotta turn turn that and lift it up. Okay. And then come close and, and speak into the mic. About hundred and fifty bags. Now what was in a bag? So no, instead of the close. bags is this better? Is this better? Undo that. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe the other way. You're tightening it. No, no, other way. Yeah, like that. There you go. MashaAllah. New generation. Gen Z adjusting a mic. Lift up. Lift up. <laughs> now tighten it. Lift this up. All the way up and tighten this. Okay, now tighten it. And then. You stand back. Then you can tighten that one too. Yeah, fix it to your mouth and tighten that one. And then there's another one too there. MashaAllah. Tell us how many, what were the supplies in a mic, uh, uh, supplies okay. in a bag? Taib, inshallah. Uh, so inside of each bag, as many of you, alhamdulillah, have seen from our flyer that we've been distributing on our website, on Instagram, on even this podcast, we were requesting uh, multiple supplies such as papers, notebooks, pencils, glue sticks, uh, coloring uh, utensils, etc., etc. Each bag contained one of each objects, uh, one of each utensil, alhamdulillah. 
And we tried to keep it uniform throughout so that each kid did not have this sense of missing out or sense of uh, unfairness in this event because part of this soup kitchen, community center, and DAWA initiative is in fact, in fact the DAWA, and we can't really do that effectively if we don't treat everyone Very uh, good. coming in equally with that. So you said pencil, eraser. What else was in the bag? Glue sticks. Glue. Crayons, coloring pencils. Crayons, colored pencils. Okay, let's take a look at some of these pictures. Of course. Hmm? Yeah, let's go. Next one. All right, so there we have, um, looks like some clothes were given away too. Mm-hmm. All right. So alhamdulillah, these are some of our volunteers. This is uh, during the setup phase of our operation. Nice. Uh, we decided to do it in the driveway just to replicate the success that we had with the first kickoff event, alhamdulillah. Uh, if you remember, it was actually you who suggested to bring out the nice table that we had mm-hmm. and to set up in the driveway. Very nice, very nice. Inside. So clothes was given out in the driveway. Mm-hmm. All right, next. Right here is the table. Uh this was during the setup phase as well. We're showing it in chronological order, inshallah. Okay, good. This Next is picture. during the setup. So we have a lot of our supplies just laid out on the tables and the boxes underneath just to organize everything. Good. Next. Ah, these. This was our activity station, our crafting station. Mm. It's been uh, a hit for a while now for these past events. A lot of the kids from the community, that which a lot, alhamdulillah, showed That's us. That's great. What kind of crafts? Coloring? They colored. They started doing some folding. Scribbling? So they could, oh, yeah. Bunch of scribbling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? Making what? Making they started making uh, fans because it was a hot day. Uh, okay, fair enough. Good. Making fans. Next. Oh, that's. Mm-hmm. I see a grill. Mm-hmm. Is that smoke from the grill? Oh yes. And what do you guys? What did you guys uh, cook? So we had everything donated from the community again. Hamburgers, hot dogs, all halal. Alhamdulillah. We had. Uh, <laughs> A vegetarian option as well, just because we had a request for that in the past. And alhamdulillah, even the non-vegetarians took great benefit from this. <laughs> they love the baked ziti meatless. Baked ziti, hamburgers, hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Great party for all oh, these yes. young kids. Oh, yes. Next. And corn. And corn. All right. And this is uh, this is one of our volunteer coordinators with another one as well. This was the water bucket game that uh, Sister Shiza had uh, concocted. A water bucket game. Explain. Mm-hmm. So the kids, from my understanding of it, they were all the way in the back of the lawn. Uh, they were tasked with running from one bucket, tasked with running from one bucket filled with water, sc- yeah. taking their sponges, filling up with uh, water, and then running to the other side, filling up their bucket, and uh, I'm, I believe... See which one exactly. has more water at the which end. Which one has more water at the end. Very messy, very cooled. All right, well, I guess they cooled down because it was a hot day. Oh, yes. All right, next... Oh, yeah. There are the boys <laughs> grilling, right? And That's the crew. they get themselves some burgers, mm-hmm. right? Huh? Habib with, the Habib with his Habib sunglasses, with right? All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's Ali C next to him and Habib and Elif, mm-hmm. all right, with the La Cucina official volunteer shirts there. Mm-hmm. All right. Next one. And some more volunteers. All right. Picks. More volunteers BBQing. Next picture. All right, a lot of people there coming to get food. MashaAllah, that's really good. I love the orange umbrellas because it matches with the roof, (laughs) right? Next. All right, more people coming in and they're constantly getting in contact with Muslims, right? Mm -hmm. No, maybe get used to it eventually, all right? 
And there's the, that's the house next door. That blue house is the house next door. Mm-hmm. And our driveway goes all the way up to their house. And then that's where we put the clothes. So the community members who have clothes, some of you people ask me, how do we start a soup kitchen? Well, very simply. First thing is identify where do the laborers gather in any town? Where are the hard workers who need stuff? The mm-hmm. poor. And remind you, there are poor and there are those who are, I would ha- unfortunately have to say like, homeless slash zombies that we try to help them but we can't always cater to them right but there is that middle area who they're very poor but they they work and they have families right and those to me are the priority the other ones they need more help right they need more help and when they come in and they're high and they're on drugs and they steal and they do all sorts of things like that and who knows about their hygiene and the diseases that they're carrying causes everyone else to leave so who do i cater to the majority or the minority i'm going to try to cater to the one who i can help consistently and that's all of these families here and so you see so you can take the clothes that you don't need anymore a vacuum that you don't need you can take ten dollars go buy a couple slices of pizza and you can go to the fuqara and distribute it. it takes five minutes okay so that's how it is and and the clothes became a part of the program too and so Every week, there's free clothes that's distributed, and it's usually um, they're community members' clothes that they don't need anymore, and it's and it's decent clothes. It can't be like ripped and torn and stuff like that. All right, next picture. Again, there's more people taking clothes. Who is that in the green like volunteer in there? Which volunteer is that? Who is that? None. He came in specifically uh, okay, for this okay. event. Nice. Okay. Ne- good. Next. There is, again, a line of people forming so that they could see and take uh, what clothes, and you can see the nice racks that the clothes are on. All right? There's nothing allowed in the, in the casino that's plastic. Okay? <laughs> it's got to be wood, cast iron. Right? Got to follow the theme. Yep. No junky stuff. I, I went to Elijah's Promise Soup Kitchen, mm. and I'm like, oh, I'm going to Soup Kitchen. I'm going to do good deeds. I'm like, is this a jail or something? This is the mm. most miserable building I've ever been to. I wanted to leave right away. As soon as I got there, I want to leave. It was the ugliest building. Everything possible choice that they made, let's make the cheapest possible choice with no consideration of human nature. Like no consideration that human, nat- human beings like enjoy being in areas that are actually clean and nice. Like, aren't people humans? They're still, do they ever lose their humanity just because they're poor? Right? These ice cream truck drivers know how to capitalize off a crowd. Oh, these ice oh. cream truck drivers must have had a field day. There's one photo. You can't. Next. It's amazing. This is the right side, our side of the house. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's our side of the house with the, the white stucco. And you can see the plants growing there in the middle. Okay. And we try to make it an inviting place because it's somewhere you want to be, not somewhere. That's just like, I cannot tell you how many people, anytime I ask them for advice, they say, just go the cheaper route. Why go the cheaper route? I save money once and I'm miserable for the rest of the time, Mm -hmm. right? How about if I spend some money now, but I'm happy every single day Mm. and it's inviting for everybody. That's why it's important to have a concept of aesthetics when you do something, especially that involves other people. Next. There are some kids uh, chalking up the driveway looks like next picture and again a line of kids there what are they doing on the seats 
So this was our musical chairs game that we played. Musical chairs with what music? Acapella. Nasheeds. Nasheeds. Mm-hmm. Mashallah. So the kids get to expose themselves to the name of Allah. Every second. Yeah. Inshallah. That's good. So they played it and they enjoyed it? Yeah. Where is Kaylor? Went back to school, I guess? Yeah. Kaylor's right there. That kid in the blue. Main host. He lives downstairs, actually. He moved in recently with mm-hmm. um, relatives. And he's sort of been somebody who, who uh, likes to go to these things and... We even took him to the Eid party yeah, he mm-hmm. comes to the and the masjid. masjid. No, he prays too. Like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he'll come in to pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember once I was sitting down, he's like, "Hey, I want to learn Arabic. How do you, <laughs> can you teach me it?" And <laughs> when I was sitting, I'm like, "We oh, should ask yeah. him." And then he went up to Sheikh Mulad. He's like, "Can you teach me that Arabic stuff?" I <laughs> you need to just teach him the first ayah of Al-Fatiha, and let him know that for a few months, mm-hmm. right? Next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so after there some he is again. difficulties, okay. different song choices uh, tried to work off, and uh, musical chairs was very popular with them for a few minutes. Okay. And musical those are the moms, I guess? All the parents, yep. All the parents and the moms? All, All right. crowding to the, cr- to the shade. Crowding into the shade. That's That That part is the high-priced real estate mm-hmm. uh, in these barbecues, I noticed. That mm-hmm. uh, white fence on the left side of our backyard, <laughs> everyone wants to go there. Then the gazebo. I'm seriously thinking of putting an actual playground, a professional playground in the backyard. The thing is, I wait to see how the place is being used. Mm. Then if you see a usage, then you could capitalize it rather than trying to create a usage, right? Mm-hmm. And then failing. All right. So th- so we really did took sort of a gamble on um, because when we started paving the, the backyard and we only wanted to pave half of it mm-hmm. and make the other half a big driveway. When Asim and I... Asim Usmani was the emir of MBIC for a long time. The emir position rotates, but like in all of our heads, he's the elder, right? He's the leader. Um, when we looked at it, we're like, oh, this is nice. Just do the whole thing, right? And he agreed. And he's more of a conservative type. So coming from him, I knew it was the right decision. And it really does look like a beautiful place to have a, a picnic and stuff because the the patio floor is really nice. Uh, the stone is really nice, and um, it's perfect for having picnics or barbecues. We had shown some people who had decided to come by and uh, stick around for a bit the day of after mm-hmm. they dropped off the corn that we were uh, barbecuing. Yep. They were almost always, everyone that comes in to see the backyard is always captivated by the Yeah, they're always captivated. It's, it's a beautiful uh, backyard. And then we painted everything white, and we start hanging the uh, plants all around. So hopefully, I think what we'll do is maybe we'll think about putting that back uh, that playground there. And and then uh, actually nailing in benches in mm-hmm. the ground so that the moms could sit there. Not benches that move around and stuff is moved around. I hate stuff that moves around. It's all covered, yeah. So I think that may be an area for, for families to come and relax. Usually where the kids go, the mom will follow. Yeah. So if you have a playground, you can have a lot of... Uh, yeah. And it'll be like a, a semi-public park in a sense, mm-hmm. right? Which that these things don't exist in New Brunswick in any safe area. Mm-hmm. Okay, next... Again, there are some of the community members excited, taking out their phones, taking, taking pictures of their themselves. kids running around. <laughs> okay, and there are the kids' activities table. What are they doing there? They're um, drawing, drawing, but then okay, very nice, very nice. All right, and there are the boys again. They really like taking pictures of themselves. Yeah, these guys, the they got the sunglasses, they got the shirts. <laughs> They're all coming for the shirts. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm convinced. They're all coming for the shirts. Right, all right. We got one more set of pictures. Let's go. Bismillah. Again, guys, very camera happy. 
Very camera happy. Thank you, brother. Sunglasses. Hand in this one. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then, again, so there are some... Uh, mm-hmm. So this one? Yeah. That's our ice cream station that we had on the left there. Ice cream station? Mm-hmm. Fruits and ice cream station. Oh. And that big pile of uh, brown bags there. Mm-hmm. Under there we had really a really successful marketing... Uh, adventure that we had in New Brunswick. Yeah. We actually ran out of bags, but we had some su- school supplies, so we still managed to donate the supplies, and we had an overabundance of them, alhamdulillah, and this specific instance mm-hmm. right here, that family all piled it up on their chair, and then they started having fun with the rest of the activities. Very and good. Ice cream, Can you tell me what, what was in those brown bags? So those ba- brown bags, we had saved some uh, pre-made uh, donated pencil packs that mm-hmm. we uh, pencil pouches filled with Rulers filled with, I think one was a protractor, pencils, pens, erasers, etc., mm. etc., and then any extra school supplies that we had from the uh, given by the community. Again, more pencils, coloring utensils, etc., etc. Good, good. Next, some more kids enjoying the activity. All right, kids. R- see, that's the grassy area. I'm saying I think we should put a playground there. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably fifty percent there. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that a white chair? So these kids. Why are there white chairs there? When we said black, I'm throwing them in the garbage. It was the students. If I see a white chair again, we have one kind of chair in the whole building. (laughs) Who is guilty of this? No, the kids took them. They wanted to play musical chairs. That's why they shouldn't exist at all. (laughs) (laughs) They should not. Where are they now? (laughs) Where are they now? Most likely downstairs. I have. If I see those white junky chairs, I'm literally taking them myself and putting them on the sidewalk. Okay, one chair, one kind of chair ruins the picture. The whole event is ruined. Okay, we'll let the uh, organizers of the musical chairs <laughs> know for the future. No, there's not going to be anything for them to know about because I'm getting rid of them myself. You people are the 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 the, the people. I'm telling you, they have a stinginess. Hmm. A free chair. We got to keep it. <laughs> it's ruining everything. <laughs> Uniformity of all tables and chairs. Okay. We selected a type of chair. That's that black chair there. We then purchased three sets of them. We got 30 chairs. Okay. 20. 20 chairs. They're unique looking chairs. They're nice looking chairs. They're weather durable. They're foldable. Okay. And they match. Now, because somebody dropped off a free chair, the bukhl. The stingy, we got to keep it because it's free. Okay, at what expense? Unreal. I'm getting rid of those chairs. Next. Okay. And see that backyard there? I'm 50% there to put some benches there. I think, I guess, on the left side. Because on the right side, the spruce trees may fall on the person. Right? Correct? Correct. I mean, it depends on how you want it to look. One side's just facing you, facing the other side diagonally. The other side, you could have a parallel with the wall. So it's up to your uh, design philosophy. So, we'll, so we could put benches there and then a playground in the middle because mm-hmm. I think that's really one of the directions I'm seeing here mm-hmm. is kids. Like, if, you, if we look at this past summer, we did, what, two or three barbecues? Three. The first one was what? A launch barbecue, mm-hmm. right? The kickoff. The kickoff, in which we bought the MBIC board and the MB, the, all the, the community leaders, okay? 
And we had the local community there too, mm-hmm. just eating. And then the second barbecue was, was we realized at that first one is filled with kids. Mm-hmm. So the second one, the idea came, let's make it a fun day for kids. So we did that. That was a blast. Third day, third one was also built on that. So I think we're getting some momentum here, right? Mm-hmm. And we should continue that, right? I think we should, we, we, we never, we didn't start with the intention of focusing so much on the children, but it seems like the kids are, and, uh, are, are, are really enjoying coming to this, these events. And let me tell you something, having spent those few days in um, Santa Domingo, uh, yeah, those and these these kids they have it really rough, yeah. right? Like when I went to Santo Domingo, I think it was a wisdom from Allah, because who are we serving here in this soup, La Cocina? We're serving a Spanish population, mm-hmm. Hispanic population. Most of them being from Dominican Republic, from Honduras, different countries like this. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we never saw it where they came from. Mm-hmm. I am telling you. New Brunswick is Jannat al-Firdaus on the earth in comparison to some of these homes that I saw in Santo Domingo. And Santo Domingo has it better than Haiti and Honduras and other places like that. Like the, like the Dominican Republic is probably better off than Honduras, Ecuador, these places. And I felt like there has to be a wisdom why Allah has trapped me here in Santo Domingo for six days. And it was seven, six or seven days. And I was like, it's not that I just, I learned, I felt it's not just I learned. I saw, but I also felt. Because after the first two days, I don't know people, I didn't tell this story, but I was stuck in Santo Domingo for a while. After the first two days, I was in a decent hotel. It wasn't even, it would be like two-star hotel here, right? And I'm like, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I don't want to just be burning through my cash, right? And I don't want to do a wire transfer either. Because I didn't know how long I'm going to be there. I ended up saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave this area. I'm going to find the local masjid. And there was a local masjid, pretty big size masjid, right? And I found a room to rent next to the masjid. I rented the room out, right? It was on the third story. And guess what? The f- on the third story, there was a window. The window was not high. It was like a low window. And it was literally just a window. There was no screen. There was a glass that you can open and close. And I'm thinking to myself, are there laws in this country? And there was a chair in front of the window. Any child could have opened, gone on this chair, hey, let's look out the window, opened the push for and fell through. Like, there are no laws in this country, right? Because they're so poor that they're so in need. Who's going to go running around doing inspections, right? It's a luxury. Uh, I would say by the... F- by the fifth day, I started to get testy and antsy because everything is a hassle. Nothing is smooth. Everything is sweaty. Everything is hot. Everything is just miserable. Okay? And having lived in that area, which was the common people area, not the middle, because the first hotel I took was right next to the U.S. Embassy. That's where Americans will stay, right? And even that was two stars max, maximum two stars. When I came to this place was negative stars right if there's such a thing as negative one star hotel this is the place i stayed at right nothing worked the fridge didn't, i don't even know if it worked right nothing worked it was a, d- a whole disaster of an operation but i stayed there and i felt what 
the life in these places is like. And I, I, I felt more compassion towards the people of, um, who, are, who are the migrants, as they call them, right? Uh, and that's why I think, like, to give their kids a better, a better day, just one day of the year, is something. If you make it three days a year, like three barbecues. If you now have hot chalk, well, we have to have a fall fest. We got to have a fall fest. We got to have a fall fest, right? How can the autumn go by without a fall? What is a fall fest? All the foods related to the fall. For example, apple pies. Let's have a contest. Mm. Apple pie baking contest. Uh, Apple cider, right? And then we start giving out the winter clothes. That's the real benefit. Ease ourselves into that season. We ease our, we, 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 we all donate. Everyone's going to go out, get a new Canada goose jacket, right? Whatever it's called. What are you going to do with your old jacket? Donate it, right? You, all your kids are going to get new sneakers for the school year already got them. Donate your old ones, okay? Mm-hmm. Sneakers, uh, maybe because they get old. Scarves, shawls, like, you know, the winter stuff should be donated, okay? So that's the next event, okay? So when was this event? Saturday? Yeah. Event was Saturday. Pass. Sunday passed. Monday passed. Tuesday passed. That's three days of rest. <laughs> okay, now get yourself some newbies, some new kids, yeah. okay, some new legs and some new arms, and let's get to the Fall Fest and, sp- and plan it for the end of October sure. or middle of October. And apple cider, apple pies, all that stuff, and most importantly, it's the winter clothes that they need yeah. to prepare for winter. All right, what is this? It sounds good, right? We have to do the candy apples. Candy, oh, candy apples. apples. Oh, my gosh. Definitely got to do candy apples. Yeah. Do you want to do this women and children only to, to ease the burden? I mean, even if we try to, the parents are going to want to come anyway. Everyone's going to. Okay. The community is so strong. Like they're going to want to come good. anyways. Good. What about carving pumpkins? Huh? Ooh, carving pumpkins. Carving, pumpkins, carving yeah. pumpkins. Now, what do we do with the carving the pumpkin? Carving you a demon's face on it? No, no, no faces then. They, listen, they they, they yeah. can carve a pumpkin as long as it's not associated with like trick or treating. We can have yeah, templates yeah. and everything, just nothing yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, you're gonna have an activity section, so. Um, but pump, so the the point of Fall Fest is that there's a unique thing and people do it, so it's not like uh, something that we can't do. We can do that. So there you go. The next event has been born. All right. Apple cider, apple candy, apples, all that stuff. Okay. Send a message to the group. Next one. Who is this? This is a brother from Ikna Relief, actually. He's Ikna Relief was very helpful. Thank you all very much to the Ikna Relief brothers. Yeah. Okay. So they d- recently, they did an event a day before our event. Yeah. And alhamdulillah, he came in just to look at what we were doing and everything. And he was so surprised at how fast we got our supplies out to the community. Mashallah. For him, it was, it, for a fact, he told me it was around 50 to 100 bags that he gave us. It took him like around an hour or two hours. Amazing. Hours, we took like... 40 minutes max to get rid of the like the major majority of the bags and supplies and everything. So we're just really excited about that and surprised at how fast the community came and everything. What are you guys sitting on? That, that's what I was going to ask. Um, the driveway chairs. The driveway chairs. No. So what is the, no they soon to not exist in our soup kitchen So they chairs. were supposed to be only for the driveway so like people don't park in the driveway, right? Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. You know, that's mashallah. So they have their <laughs> last, the last uh, hurrah and the last uh, time that we're going to see those chairs. Next. All right. There is the, how did we do the marketing? Brilliant job doing the marketing for this event. How? They took 
containers of food and plastered the poster, the advertisement, on top of the container of food. And then they went around to the... See, we know when the workers come in and come out. Mm -hmm. And most of the families here are the wives and the kids of the workers, Mm -hmm. right? And so, by the way, let me tell you something. If Trump becomes president and he does one of those ridiculous ice raids on the fuqara and the masakin, again... Our place is going to be a place of refuge for them. We'll hide them like in the Holocaust, right? Because you, you go picking on. It's one thing you want to pick an enemy. Let's go and attack the Democrats. They, mm-hmm. they can handle themselves. You're going to go pick on these people, mm-hmm. right? And then you wonder why you're going to get poverty because you're, t- you're picking on these folks. Mm-hmm. Next. There again, we have some families coming around, all right? Nice on the side of the house. And there again is the backyard. A lot of people there. Lots of new faces. Taking those. Now, are they coming as friends? Do they, they all know each other, it looks like. They're all talking to each other and stuff. Some of them do because of the uh, sheer amount of people that came. Again, between 100 and 200 people we've estimated throughout the event. Yeah. All within the first two hours, too, subhanAllah, of our four-hour event. And these people... They just wanted to sit in the shade. Yeah. Not all of them knew each other. They just wanted to be in some place near the food, uh, underneath the sh- coolness of the That's trees. That's good. Maybe they can make friends because um, if they don't go to church, they don't have friends. Hmm. That's how it is with many communities because they don't work. If they do work, they may work... Um, but that's not... It's not a workplace where you're going to make friends, per se, Right. Um, so this may be a place where people start making friends. Now let's look at the calendar here. And October, we're looking at. What's that? Why are you hyperventilating? Me? Yeah. Little old me. How about October? What about October the seventh or the fourteenth? How's that? Fifteenth. That's a Sunday. We got classes on Sundays. October fourteenth. Why? We just need to give the community a little bit of a break so that we can do some more marketing again. The community needs a break from getting free food? The attendees need a break from getting free food. (laughs) (laughs) The volunteers need a break? The reason why... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Many people... We can definitely put it on the the plans in Chubb. October 21st. It sounds a lot better, yes. October 21st, okay. You guys are going to wake up one day and going to say, yes. <laughs> by the way, tomorrow's the day. <laughs> October 21st. Mm-hmm. Now listen, Habib is there. I'll come to you. Who else is there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Alif. Alif, Muhammad. Samer. Uh, Omar. Mm-hmm. All these can start picking up. But what, what is it? It's a list of things that we're going to buy. Mm-hmm. An Amazon wish list that donors can donate to and buy the stuff themselves, correct? Mm-hmm. We got to pay for the posters, and, and the posters have to be handed out well in advance, mm-hmm. right? So the first cast, uh, the, uh, line uh, item of duty is to make the poster because mm. we don't need to have discuss the date. We already discussed the date. Mm-hmm. Actually, just double-check that there's nothing else going on in MBIC. Let me Precisely. check the MBIC schedule and maybe like um, something that would take us away as a community, but... Uh, or disallow us to to do it. Okay? So we double-check that. Make the posters. Make the Amazon wish list. Are we grilling or no? 
It's not. It's not the season to grill, is it? No, fall is not a grilling season, grill. right? Correct. The weather might. Fall is not a grilling. It's not the vibe. What are we going to eat? It's just not. There's not going to be food. Is it apple pie? Corn. We can do corn. Mm-hmm. Right. We'll, we'll figure that out. Okay. Of course. But October. Who? What do we say? Twenty first. Twenty first. Okay, so you said it yourself. Good. Uh, so there's no event here. I have to choose one of the I'm going to add it here. La Cocina Fall Fest. Okay. Good. It's announced. It's absolutely, it's announced. It is announced. Okay. And we have one, two, three upright witnesses. And how many on the stream? All upright witnesses right here. Okay. Having a staff meeting on on the stream here. (laughs) Last picture. We done with pictures or one more? All right. Very good. Very good. Some Very delegations good. being delegated. Okay. Now, first thing is now to get... I think at the Fall Fest, there should be chai. We should introduce them to chai. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Adi, you see, you got the chai. Also, Yusuf Chuck has a chai company now. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, also, like, we had the coffee table at MBIC. We could bring that operation over. Okay. Mm-hmm. That would be really fun. It would be right. a nice MBIC collaboration. Yeah. Okay, thank you guys very much. Now let's move. It's now 2.43. We have one small piece of Muslim news. This this was a s- news of the Ummah, by the way. Okay, we are part of the Ummah. So our news is news of the Ummah. Uh, let's take something else, too. Another part uh, of our Ummah is Isna. And this time, Chicago's WGN9... All right, has... Um, covered the nation's largest Muslim convention, Rosemont. They always do it in the Rosemont in Chicago because it's a central area. All flights go to Chicago. It's very easy to have it, and they have a massive convention. In the United States, there's a conference called ISNA. Okay? It's one of the biggest ones. And usually twenty to 30,000 Muslims show up at ISNA. Okay? I remember 98, 99... 96, 97, 98, 99, Isna was just like huge. People love to go there. And Hamza Yusuf was the main speaker all the time. This time, I, I believe it, I never went to Isna because I was always studying in the summertime in a different country usually. And then I would come back. Okay. And so when I come back, Isna is like the next weekend when school starts. So I never went because I just spent the whole summer abroad. Usually that's how I was. Now, why is this relevant? Because they are now, this was their 60th year as an organization. So as, you know, fellow Muslims of ours, we got to commend them for their, for their longevity. Every community needs a space, a space with numbers that they come together and, 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 and be energized, said Imam Zaychakud in the keynote speech. He's the co-founder of American Islamic University's Zaytuna College. It's like a family reunion. I see people I have known since they were little babies, and now they're contributing to society. Because now these little kids are now the leaders. All right. The weekend is filled with educational discussions. Keynote speakers from all across the globe talked about Rohingya crisis, the Palestinian conflict. All right. Mm. All right. So that's it. There's no, this is, wow. I mean, that's it. Zero. Come on. Author here. 
Nashimia Malik. Did you text this in? <laughs> right? You gave up mid that's it. The <laughs> keynote speakers and scholars talked about global issues ranging from Rohingya to Palestine conflict. All right. Qu- quote from Imam Zaid: We don't have a chance to look at the forest because we are so uh, caught up in the trees. We don't get the opportunity to look at the big picture. The convention takes place at the Donald Stevenson Center in the Rosemont, September 1, September 4th. She texted the article in. <laughs> Do your job. Give us some meat. <laughs> anyway, I, I, here I am thinking we're going to see something, you know, significant. But... Oh, how was it? Mashallah, nice. Very nice, mashallah. Subhanallah, very nice. All right. Uh, one day ago, again, the f- we'll close with this, is the, uh, the, the rules, the French rules. I just want to see how this is going to go down in history. Um, banning the abaya. So how are you going to ban trench coats? Do you think we it, our clothes in Islam has to be a certain ethnic group? Okay, Aliyan, come on in. You think our clothes has to be a certain ethnic clothes for them to ban the abaya? Right? The government said they're banning the abaya in schools. It gladdened the political right. Okay. Things are going well this morning. There's no incident for the moment. We will continue all day to be vigilant. <laughs> what? Be vigilant. Be vigilant about abayas. You know, there's a generation going to grow up and say this is sort of absurd, right? This degree of emotion dedicated to that. The Prime Minister Elizabeth Bourne, uh, she visited schools in northern France, and she added there are certain numbers where the girls arrived in abayas, and then the girls were talked to, and they were asked to remove it. My France is the really the most vile. These people are vile. Americans, I would say, they're just crazy. They've just gone crazy. The Americans have gone nuts with their gender stuff, mm-hmm. and they're looking like demons. They've gone nuts. But they're not... This is crazy. This is just like something's wrong with you. We will have discussions with them. We will sit down with them. Oh, my gosh. And use educational approaches to explain that there is a law that is being applied. So wait a second. So when Taliban goes and says girls have to wear hijab in schools, for example, they'd have marches in the streets. So what is it exactly? Really, what is the difference? The hard left has accused the government of uh, Emmanuel Macron of using the Abaya a ban to compete against Marie Le Pen's far right national party, and show that he is like right wing too. Okay, well, sort of makes sense that that's his motive. Okay, Ministerial Gabriel Attal, right? He identified 513 schools that have been affected by the ban. There are around 45,000 schools in France with 12 million pupils going back to school Monday. He said work had been done ahead to start the school year to identify in which schools the ban could present a problem. Uh, adding that trained school inspectors would be placed in some schools. An inspector. Okay. You think that this is going to remove Iman from people's hearts? And in There is a difference between what happens in school and what happens outside school. What happens in school is my business, he said. Uh, I'm not sure it's a miracle solution that will solve all school problems, but I think it merits testing. You think this is going to solve a problem? That they can't wear abaya? A law introduced in 2004 banned the wearing of signs or outfits 
which students ostensibly show a religious affiliation. These include crosses, kippahs, and Islamic headscarves. Unlike the headscarf, the abaya is a long and baggy garment worn to comply with Islamic beliefs on modest dress. It occupied a gray area and had no ban until now. So um, recently I heard, check this out, that a non-Muslim, okay, a non-Muslim fashion designer is designing the same effect, but in an outfit that's not abaya, like a jacket or something like that. But it has the same effect, and they're gonna donate like ten thousand of them. Not even a Muslim coming to the aid of these people and gonna give them free clothes, right? And then if let's see um, if someone covered that fashion the designer. Part, like, for the, uh, what What's that? Like the French, uh, That's the thing. There's no. They're they're they trying to ban something that has no set definition or had. Like there's a Russian maybe like Max. Yeah, but it's probably like not this at, at best. There's no. It's like actual definition for this. So easy to get around. Yeah, it's too easy to get around. Sa- same with hijabi. You can at least put a hood and a scarf. What if I want to wear a hood over my hair and I want to wear a scarf over my chest, right? So what are you going to say? Are you going to ban hoods in school now too? How many rules for clothes now? Okay, what if you ban a hood? What if I wear a hat and a turtleneck? Uh, it's sort of getting absurd with them. Here it is. Nike. Nike designer tells French schoolgirls to defy Islamic dress that they will des- define, de- design for them. I buy it. Nike. Okay. Fashion influencer Saida Haq has designed variations of abayas and has now been taken up by Nike. Okay. I have to subscribe to read the article. I'll pass. All right. Let's. I wonder how many people actually subscribe to these different. Uh, all right, here let's uh, let's try this. Um, this link here. No, I can't find the article, but you get the point. So Nike, it looks like a um, is sponsoring this. They're going after it, all right, and they're they're supporting it. Okay. See if you can find it. Telegraph, are you looking? Huh? I was looking at the Telegraph. Let me subscribe to it. Let's just type it in here. Sorry for all the listeners who are waiting. Nike. He's renaming it what? They're changing the name back to like, uh, they actually, they call it Bharat. 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 That's like what they call it officially. Mm, might not actually be. Uh, Turkey situation. But it might not be easy to pronounce. Does she just, they, they don't care, I guess, right? Okay. I can't really find it, to be honest with you. But it's in the Telegraph. Did you find it? All right, we take two questions, then we go for our du'a. 
All right. Let's take a few questions and then we go to the draw. All right. What we got? What do we have here? Read me that one. What do the Malikis consider premixing that involves uh, talking and looking to be haram, to be makruh? Doesn't that open the door for a graver sense to occur? If it is, if there is a reason to believe that, then we would forbid it. If there's a reason to hold that, then you'd forbid it on the basis of uh, closing the door of, of those sins. Next question. While I open up here. Jealousy in marriage is the gluten, is the magnetic attraction in marriage. It's like it's keeping the family together. So the Prophet ﷺ never blamed al-ghayra, even when it led to the woman doing something excessive. Like what is the ruling in Islam of maybe of throwing food on the ground? Forbidden. What is the ruling in Islam of, uh, let's say, in maybe making an awkward situation in front of the guests. Also forbidden, right? So did not say to Aisha, come and learn that it was her day. She, in her house, the Sahaba were being hosted, right? In her apartment. And then he, she came and found that one of the other Umm al-Mu'mineen, Umm al-Mu'mineen, came and brought food, a basket of bread. So she came in there and she spilt it over in front of the Prophet. Okay? And the Prophet laughed and he said, your mother got jealous. So the Prophet, if she had done wrong, would have been obligated to state, tell us that this was wrong. So sometimes you, the person may do something wrong, but for, the, for a good reason. And you want to nurture that reason. What else? What is the ruling if we took this book on uh, with deen in it? Forget the Quran. Just a book of deen. And threw it out of anger. Is this not a sacrilegious, blasphemous act? Right? Yet did not say to Musa, take the alwah and smash them. But why? And Allah never blamed him in the Quran. But why did he do this? Because he saw shirk. He was so enraged that his ummah had gone that far astray in such a short time, right after Allah showed him the greatest miracle that happened to a group of people on the face of the earth at that time, and probably ever, there are individual miracles that happened. But a miracle to happen to that massive group of people and the most glorious okay, fall of a tyrant. They all witnessed with their own two eyes if it out and go down. Right? The most glorious fall of a tyrant that you'll ever see. And they all got to watch it. They all got to watch the miracle and live it. They were, they walked through the bottom of the Red Sea. Then they finally go, and a few days later, they, a few weeks later, they settle, and Sayyidina Musa goes to get the revelation from Allah. Forty days later, you're committing shirk. You're not even neutral. You didn't even just not, not showing gratitude. You went down. After that miracle, it would drive any human being insane, utterly insane. Okay? It would drive any human being utterly insane. Let's take a look at this. Let's say you, you're, you're married. You buy, you're, you're poor for many years. You finally get rich. You buy your wife a house. You buy her a sports car. Okay? You then travel 
You you save her life. She's about to die. You save her life because of the new money that you have. You give her medicine. You save her life. You buy her a house. You buy her a sports car. You then say, I'm, I'm going to work. Monday must come around. You go to work Monday. You come home early for from work on Monday. You find her with another guy. Would you not lose your mind? Absolutely, utterly lose your mind, right? So Sayyidina Musa, alayhi salam, got angry for the right reason, okay? And he did something that would have otherwise been haram. And yet, at the same time, Allah Ta'ala never blames him for it. So therefore, we get, we get a, to learn a lesson from this. If someone's motivation is correct but the, and should be increased but uh, and encouraged, but the expression is wrong, we don't blame the expression, right? Did not say Namusa also punch an angel is in one narration, right? Angel of death came to take him and he punched him, right? You can't punch an angel, right? Some people say, well, Sharia doesn't apply to angels. But that's the thing of ghayra and jealousy. It's very important to allow it to flourish in, in a family as long as there's not excessive harms. Like, is there excess? Probably 1% of people are a bit excessive to the point that it becomes almost like a mental disorder. Very similar to muaswas. You know, someone's muaswas always believes that they don't have wudu. Likewise, it could be muaswas always believing that, oh, they're going to commit zina. All right? Oh, they're 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 going to cheat on me. Like they're at that point, you have a mental issue. But general ghayra, like not wanting someone, not wanting his wife to be in a position to be looked at, that's normal. Or a wife not wanting her husband to be in that situation where another woman could distract him from her. That, that's fine. All right, here's a question from Umar Maryam. I, we need nasiha on what approach should be taken towards those youth students as their teacher when the female students were forcefully, forcefully enrolled in an Islamic intensive program by their parents, and they're only there to hang out with their friends of the same age. Well, so, this, so if I understand correctly, a group of girls their parents force them to go to an Islamic event, but they don't want to go, but they want to just hang out with their friends. You try to encourage them to, um, to pay attention, but nonetheless, I think that being there itself for youth is enough, right? Physically being there, as long as they're not doing munkars, right? Then physically being there, even if they're not paying attention, is better than nothing. Because for youth, they, oftentimes they don't have a sense of perspective and a sense of what's truly important. Right, and um, for and as you grow older, that increases. This is a pretty scary thing. You have absolute certainty that certain things are useless, whereas in your youth, you thought they were really important. Like how many of us? You probably still remember. It's really important for youth to be cool amongst their friends, right? But as time goes on, and you start seeing what actually benefits in life, and you become now entering into your fourth and fifth decade of life. You start realizing that that stuff is absolutely of no importance in perspective. Seeing that there's 30, 40, 50 years you're going to live afterwards, you're not going to sacrifice studying for classes just to be with some friends of yours, right? So in the beginning, when you're young, you have sympathy for that. You know that you feel that it's important for a kid to be cool with his friends, right? But as life goes progresses, you, you develop absolute knowledge that that's not important. 
and that you can't sacrifice being cool with with studying, right? You cannot sacrifice the studying for being cool, right? No sacrifice whatsoever. Nor dean, guarding the dean. And you become almost more and more... Um, like rigid it's like it's not rigid out of emotion it's like abs based on absolute knowledge this is bad for you right so i can't budge now that i have certainty i can't budge and you become now the cycle has repeated now where the kids and the parents they don't see the same world anymore because the parent has way more knowledge of life experience and is absolutely certain that this is useless but for the kid it's a big deal Um, is it permissible to make a transaction saying, I will order this thing for you and then sell it to you when I receive it? Um, so. Wait, but you're not taking the money from them yet, right? You're not taking the money from them yet. Well, let me review the, the conditions of Selim because Selim has a lot of conditions. Where's the, uh. Where's Amrusi here? The condition, Selim has conditions, right? And Selim is that you pay upfront for something that is not yet grown, for example, a crop that hasn't grown yet, or something like that. Let me look up the conditions of Selim and get back to you on this. Pove E says, uh, uh, is it dangerous to keep yourself happy for too long? No, we have shukr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Constantly shukr of what Allah has given us. Constantly tafa'ul, optimism of what Allah will bring us in the future. And that's what feeds a person's state and it feeds a person's mood. Okay? There's no reason for anybody to, um, you know, to, to, to feel that that's dangerous. No, that's the default of a mu'min is shukr. Tafa'ul, things like that. Our credit cards haram. The 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 trans contract itself is valid in the Hanafi school, but the paying of the riba is forbidden. Okay. All right. Let us now. Um, what did I want to do? Dua of Wednesday. But first, I wanted to go over Arc View again. Could you go to that slide again, real quick? We've totally revamped Arc View again. And, or for really for the first time, we've revamped it. And now let's go to the next. Uh, yeah, the, there you go. Good. So ArcView now consists of four tracks, a plus track, a basic track, a kid's track, and an Arabic track. The Arabic track is now run by Sheikh Mahdi Lak. He's extremely enthusiastic about, about Arabic. Okay. And it's three hours a week. A two, it's a two-hour lecture, and then there's a review session later in the week. Okay, so you'd be doing three hours of Arabic a week. Now, the, for the plus classes, we've added the intermediate book in each madhab. So, Hanbali Fiqh has an intermediate now. Shafi Fiqh has Matsin Abi Shuja now. Maliki Fiqh has Aziyah now. And Hanafi Fiqh, I can't remember what, what the book is. But the Ahnaf, you all would know, right? Huh? I don't know yet. Did, uh, Sheikh is in there. Yeah, Sheikh Imran is teaching our Hanafi fiqh. 
Now, the kids track is all by itself now, too. So what did we add to kids? Hivs. That's the big thing we add. Hivs and Nurani Qada. Along with the fiqh class and the seder class. Moeen teaches a seder class with slides and tells the story. And then basic is essentially your journey to learning the fundamentals of aqidah and fiqh and hadith. And also the plus track has Sheikh Nuh Saunders has a tafsir course where he teaches directly from Ibn Jawzi's tafsir in Arabic. That's the point is to get into the Arabic books. All right, next slide. All right, kids. Um, the kids' class is always one of the most important ones. And for the when it comes to the kids, they're uh, again it's hifs. We've now at now hifs. You have two options. There's a UK timing and an America timing. So the hafizab will teach in the morning, and will teach again at night. And it depends on when you could do it. So we want to make it accessible for everybody to be able to uh, um, to attend the classes. And there are, so there are four days a week that there will be hivs. And that's really important because many people try to, to do hivs, but they don't know exactly how to uh, go about finding somebody to do it. Well, we found it for you. Next. Next is plus. And again, Hanafi, Maliki, Shafi, Hanbali, all the masjid, Aqidah, Jawharis, Tawheed is now taught there. Metin al-Iji is being taught there, all right? So we have 200-level classes, many 200-level classes now. Uh, Sheikh Noor Saunders' tafsir of Ibn al is being taught there now, okay? And, mashallah, the... Oh, okay, keep going. I'll tell you what's next afterwards. All right, uh, the Quran Academy is, is under the kids' program, okay? So skip that one, because we mentioned that's right. It's under the kids' program. Uh, Arabic we mentioned already I don't know if I had mentioned it But now Sheikh um, Mahdi Lak has taken over Three hours of Arabic a week Alright And that's it um, Hanbali Aqidah is up already On Arcview Basic So just sign up to Arcview Basic And 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 yeah put that up While we're at it right. There is Sheikh um, Yusuf bin Sadiq teaches Hanbali Aqidah. It's already up. The whole thing's pre-recorded. So if you get the basic bundle, okay, you could start watching it. And I watch it. I'm going to put some clips up for everybody, but um, I watched the whole thing in one sitting. It was the whole course in one sitting. Yeah. I, mean, I got addicted to it. He is good, right? He is good. And so I watched the whole thing in one sitting. Now, what are the subject matters? The divine attributes. Tawassul. Istighatha. The questions people have. Ibn Taymiyyah's place in the madhab. Okay. Let's go over these pictures real quick too. There is Sheikh Mahdi Lak teaching Arabic and he's teaching Shafi Fiqh. Okay. Sheikh Imran Ahmed. He's our local here and he's, he's our Hanafi, uh, head of the Hanafi department for us. All right. There's uh, Sheikh uh, Shams Tamiz. Shams Tamiz is a young mutakallim. He really is a mutakallim. He knows his kalam inside out. And he'll be teaching a 200-level class on Arcview Plus. He'll be teaching Metin al-Iji, okay, and Ashari Aqidah. There is Hafiz Junaid, who is the Hifs teacher, and he'll be teaching four times a week, okay. 
And that's Sheikh Usama, who's teaching Joharis at Tawheed, and he's also teaching uh, Shafi'i Fiqh. He's teaching Metin Abi Shuja, 200 level Shafi'i Fiqh. Sheikh Noor Saunders is your Tajweed teacher. All right. And he's graduated many people from his Tajweed class solely on Arcview. They meet on Saturdays, and he teaches there. He's also going to be teaching Tafsir, reading directly from the Arabic of Ibn al Jawzi. Okay. So we got to be paying. Here is. Muzammil Ahmed, Sheikh Muzammil Ahmed, Hanbali Fiqh. He teaches Matan al Khukir, and there's another Matan that he's be teaching too. So we have a 200, a 100 level, and a 200 level Matan um, in Fiqh, Hanbali Fiqh. Of course, there's our man Mu'in, who's going to kill us for using this picture. Uh, basically, his LinkedIn picture from like four years ago. But he does the Sira, and he has slides, and he teaches the kids uh, Sira through there. All right. Muhammad Ali, Maliki Fiqh teacher. He's going to be teaching a Zia 200 level course for Onark View Plus. We get into Muhammadat. All right. Thank you all very much. Let's go to the Dhikr now. Let's go to Hezbin Nasr. Trapper keepers, yeah, that's yeah. I think that's the day that you weren't here. He, okay, let me test this. Alian, do you know what a trapper keeper is? No, Harun, no. This is a big part of our life. Trapper keeper is basically a, a thing that you used to get in school. You used to get you get it before school started. And everyone would come in school and have a neat-looking different trapper keeper. And it's basically, all it is, is it's a three-ring binder. You put folders in it, okay? And then it Velcros shut, so nothing falls out, okay? Every year, every, first thing in September, people whip out their trapper keeper. And your status, your hierarchy in the class is largely determined by that, right? What kind of trapper keeper you got, right? So... Huh? I've always had good trapper keepers. Yeah. I've always had good trapper keepers. فتحنا لك فتحا مبينا ليغفر لك الله ما تقدم من ذنبك وما تأخر ويتم نامته عليك ويهديك صراطا مستقيما وينصرك الله نصرا عزيزا وكان عند الله وجيها وجيها في الدنيا والآخرة ومن المقربين وجهت وجهي للذي فطر السماوات والأرض بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نصر من الله وفتح قريب وبشر المؤمنين يا أيها الذين آمنوا كونوا أنصار الله كما قال عيسى بن مريم للحواريين من أنصاري إلى الله قال الحواريون نحن أنصار الله الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء 
وسع كرسي السماوات والأرض ولا يؤده حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبل لرأيته خاشعا متصدعا من خشية الله وتلك الأمثال نضربها للناس لعلهم يتفكرون هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة هو الرحمن الرحيم هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح لهما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم أعيذ نفسي بالله تعالى من كل ما يسمع بأذنين ويبصر بعينين ويمشي برجلين ويبطش بيدين ويتكلم بشفتين حصنت نفسي بالله الخالق الأكبر من شر ما أخاف وأحذر من الجن والإنس وأن يحضرون عز جاره وجل ثناؤه وتقدست أسماؤه ولا إله غيره اللهم إني أجعلك في نهر أدائي وأعوذ بك من شرورهم وتهيونهم ومكرهم ومكائدهم أطفئ نار من أراد بعداوة من الجن والإنس يا حافظ يا حفيظ يا كافي يا محيط سبحانك يا رب ما أعظم شأنك وعز سلطانك تحسنت بالله وبأسماء الله وبآيات الله وملائكة الله وأنبياء الله ورسول الله والصالحين من عباد الله حسنت نفسي بلا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم اللهم احرسني بعينك التي لا تنام وكنفني بكنفك الذي لا يرام وارحمني بقدرتك علي فلا أهلك وأنت ثقتي ورجائي يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا دارك الهالكين يا دارك الهالكين يا دارك الهالكين اكفني شر كل طارق يطرق بليل أو نهار إلا طارق يطرق بخير إنك على كل شيء قدير بسم الله أرقي نفسي من كل ما يؤذي ومن كل حاسد الله شفائي بسم الله رقيت اللهم رب الناس أذهب الباس اشفي أنت الشافي وعافي أنت المعافي لا شفاء إلا شفاؤك شفاء أنا يغادر سقما ولا ألما يا كافي يا وافي يا حميد يا مجيد ارفع عني كل تعب شديد وكفني من الحد والحديد والمرض الشديد والجيش العديد واجعل لي نورا من نورك وعز من عزك ونصرا من نصرك وبهاء من بهائك وعطاء من عطائك وحراسة من حراستك وتأييدا من تأييدك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام والمواهب العظام أسألك أن تكفيني من شر كل ذي شر إنك أنت الله الخالق الأكبر وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه والحمد لله رب العالمين ظاهرا وباطنا وعلى كل حال يا أرحم الراحمين إن شاء الله ويتك في منس فردعاء
صلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين Oh.